You're listening to MBR and on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mountain Bike Radio and today with me I have Jeff Curran and Tom Barney of 11 Pine. They're a clothing company out of Colorado and they're going to give us their story today. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves and we can get going on this. Excellent. Well, thank you, Matt. My name is Jeff Curran. I am the founder of 11 Pine. We have uh, created an emerging apparel band based in Boulder, Colorado that have, uh, we've created shorts, patent shorts that convert from tight and form fitting to loose and stylish. And, uh, we launched about just about a year ago and we have something really special and is impacting the market. And, uh, I know we have something special, but I also know I need the, uh, bring in the right team and, and particularly the right man. So, uh, to no further ado, I'll introduce Tom Barney, who is coming in to be our CEO. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, uh, hi, Matt, as well. This is uh, Tom Barney, thrilled to be on Mountain Bike Radio. So thanks for having us and for featuring 11 Pine. I've been working with uh, Jeff and 11 Pine since May and uh, have the honor of serving as the uh, CEO for 11 Pine, which is a classic startup in Colorado, a apparel company uh, addressing the, uh, the needs of the cycling market, especially mountain bikers. Uh, I have an apparel background and an outdoor industry background, so I'm uh, super psyched to apply that experience and uh, my energy and enthusiasm to 11 Pine. Uh, I've worked for many outdoor companies, but most recently I served as the CEO for uh, a great backpack company out of Durango and Cortez, Colorado, called Osprey Packs. Many of your readers will and listeners will will know Osprey. It's uh, one of the preeminent pack companies. It started out very small when I joined it in 2001, and now it's a global leader in uh, gear carrying equipment, but especially backpacks, and also for the mountain bike rider. We have a very large uh, hydration pack line at uh, at Osprey that was launched in 2010, and along with Camelback and a few of the brands now uh, are the dominant uh, packs and hydration supplier for the, the mountain bike enthusiast. So for 15 years, I was able to serve as the CEO for Osprey, and uh, I was able to wrap that up last year and have a nice smooth transition. I missed my old company, but I'm excited about 11 Pine, and now I hope to bring that uh, that experience and energy to 11 Pine and grow our company in a responsible way and, uh, and make uh, 11 Pine maybe the new Osprey. So that's where our plan is, and Jeff's going to take it away on, histor- on history, and I'll talk about the future of 11 Pine. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, guys. So, Jeff, you you started this company, um, and we talked a little bit before. So sometime yes. back in 2014 or so, you you got the the itch to make new clothing. Let's. How did this even start? Well, quite honestly, I don't know how. I'm probably the last guy that anyone would ever have thought of would start an apparel brand. Um but I think that goes to the actual need. Um, so my background was in, I was doing corporate finance for many years of helping companies raise money, uh, debt and equity and ultimately buy each other. And then I got onto kind of how they wanted to build something and uh, started up a software company in healthcare. Um, but ultimately I've always been uh, active in, in athletics and the outdoors and, and I guess growing up, I was, you know, a hockey and lacrosse player. Um, and then after college, I did a lot of, a lot of biking, a lot of different activities, but I did a bunch of triathlons and I just, I truly never understood, 
uh, why, and particularly the road biking um, cyclists, why you had to wear, in a sense, had to wear your racing gear when you weren't racing. It's kind of every other sport. Um, you know, you're not wearing your racing gear when you're, whether you're training or just going out for um, fun activities with your with your friends. And so I just always had in my mind, I was like, there's got to be a better way. And ultimately, I being in Boulder is probably the right place to be in Boulder, Colorado, uh, particularly given um, Pearl Zumi is based here. And I, I uh, am very fortunate and the many other wonderful brands here in Boulder. But I, I connected with a few people, um, ex-alumni from Pearl Zumi, and kind of shared my idea and then Literally, uh, prototypes after prototypes, we uh, worked on building a, a, a true system that literally tr- converts your shorts from, uh, you know, from form-fitting and tight, similar to spandex or lycra. Um, but then when you're off the bike and whether you're going on, you know, just going for a hike, going to the coffee shop, going to grab a beer, they're just normal shorts. And whereas I ultimately was, you know, this kind of was brought up and and based on the the need for the road bikers and it's super popular and it's such a a great alternative to wearing your, you know, biker kits. We might've created the ultimate uh, mountain bike shorts because mountain bikers are already wearing kind of, you're used to wearing the baggy shorts. um, But ultimately there's the problem of, you know, getting caught in your seat we're not having that as high of performance. Whereas our shorts with that conversion, you are uh, converting into that. It's a higher performance level of the baggies. And it's a big reason why you're seeing more and more people in their, in their spandex uh, while they're mountain biking. Um, so in a sense, we're, we're bringing those two, two uh, whether cultures or solutions together. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And to, cause we've talked not only just today, but we've talked previously, um, kind of, uh, for the mountain bike world, I would say you're filling a, a gap in the market where you have, let's call it, uh, you know, like, uh, roadie gear, you know, full spandex, like you race kit. Right. Sure. And then you have a lot of shorts that are large enough to accept protective gear. So you could wear like a hip guard under them or their, the leg opening is really large. So if you wore knee pads, the shorts would, uh, accept or, you know, go over those knee pads and wouldn't get hung up and whatnot. And there's not a ton of stuff in that middle ground. That's a, uh, what I would call not, not road racer, but not bro. There's a, there's a big gap in between those two. And your stuff is like right there slotting in between the two is something that's, uh, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to walk around with all your business showing pun intended, but you also don't have to look like you're riding the chairlift and, you know, throwing a leg over a bike with a coil shock. Exactly. Cause ultimately we created the shorts so that they are focused on performance and which is interesting. We're getting a lot of people calling them, the dropper posts of shorts, given the the way they do become form fit and keep you off your seat. But then the other side is that we just want you to, you know, when you're off your bike, because um, mountain biking is very, very social and you're going to go and hang out with your friends and, you know, you just want to be comfortable both on and off. And uh, I think we, we, you know, 
focus on, on both sides, um, which uh, I like to think we've been quite successful at, but still very early. So uh, you said many prototypes. What's yeah. a number? More than five, more than 50? I'd say about 14, 15 different prototypes. I, the way they came out looking now, it's quite interesting. When we show people how they work, I mean, one, their kind of mouse drops and they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But then they're like, why didn't I think of that? Um, to me, one thing, I, the two things I didn't want to use were zippers and, and Velcro. Um, I think most people don't want that on their shorts. But ultimately, that is our how our system works. And it's just so eloquent and easy and simple. And it, it after the fact now, it just seems so obvious. I mean, I was trying to do all these different, you know, have a, like a nice little pulley system. So there was like a little rope going back and forth or buttons or, you know, hooks. And, you know, ch- trying to hide everything. And, and ultimately, the most simple and elegant solution was what I tried to stay away from and it, it works perfectly. Yeah. It's zippers. They, they don't exactly look awesome. I mean, let's face it. Like they don't look cool, but man, they work. They, you know, there's a reason that they've been around for forever and you know, that they just, well, they just do really well. I rode to the post office yesterday in a flannel shirt and I was cold because it like the wind was blowing between my buttons, you know, like zippers <laughs> yeah. seal things like they, they do a really good oh, job. Definitely. Definitely. And using the reversible zippers that we use as well as how we design it's, it blends right into the fabric. So, I mean, we literally have people um, because we do have our liners separate from our shorts One, they work great together because the liner is all mesh on the side. So it, it it just breathes really well with, with the shorts because the shorts also have mesh on the sides. But the the appearance of them enable people just to wear them, whether you're going hiking. Um, we have people wearing them going to golf and as well as just to work. So it's the zipper, you know, it, it works. <laughs> so what's the – you've – you went through, like you said, 14 or 15 prototypes, and then after that, what was the the next step? So you've settled on, not settled, but you've, uh, you feel confident in the product. You've gotten the product to where you want it to be. And then what happened? Like, what was your, like, so you had the, you had the aha moment when you thought of producing it. And then you had like this probably like pretty big satisfaction of like, man, I've got something that I think is like going to do it. How did you, what was the next, next forward step? Yeah, we definitely went from the aha, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's a big problem out there to the, you know, let's work on it. And then um, I was about to say swear, but it was kind of the holy, holy crap. We got, we actually have something pretty amazing here. And um, then to get it out to to the market. So given uh, the day and age that we're in, it was, hey, the best way to distribute this is going to be through Kickstarter. And so I, we ended up launching a Kickstarter campaign. And so at this point, I had my product tied down. I had the right product people with me, obviously, given the, the Pearl Zumi alumni. Um, and we did a, a fun little video, which is actually still on our website at 11pine.com. Um, it's a, uh, it's like kind of like an SNL 
green screen of kind of two guys, road bikers, going through the problem of, uh, you know, going for a hard ride and then going to cafe uh, dressed as they are. Um, I'll let you go check that out if you want, but it it was uh, a little little cheeky and uh, it kind of drags on a little more than it needed to, but our product wasn't built yet. It wasn't truly developed, so we couldn't focus much on there. But anyways, I did the, uh, we went for the Kickstarter and this was actually an interesting lesson for me because when I did the Kickstarter, I was thinking that, you know, you have your product and then all of a sudden you go on Kickstarter and Kickstarter is going to drive all of your, uh, your sales and all the uh, people to you. And, uh, we had a nice aggressive goal and literally within a week or two, we got, and, you know, it goes on for four weeks. First week or two, we got halfway to our goal and I kind of stepped back and I was like, you know what? Kickstarter is not driving, um, people to me. It's actually, uh, we're driving, it's basically relationships, whether direct and indirect that I had that were, were finding out about the product. Um, and then at the same time, I had a, uh, some investors approach me about funding me uh, directly. And so I was kind of like, you know, why am I, you know, pushing my own network to fund and then end up paying, uh, you know, 10% to, to Kickstarter, whereas I don't need the funding um, right at this moment if I have these investors coming in. Um, I was in a, a, a quite a fortunate position. I think if I, I step back and I think about, what I should have done. And actually I've, I've uh, kind of helped out a few of my friends that have done Kickstarters is that you actually need to build your community first, start, you know, gaining emails um, and, you know, driving awareness about your company and your products and pre prior to actually launching your Kickstarter versus what I did was I just purely had, you know, had the great product and, um, and a fantastic team. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, not, not having that momentum behind me to, to, to launch it. I think if, if I did this, you know, t- 10 years ago, Kickstarter, then we did just driven all your traffic, but nowadays, uh, kick Kickstarter. I mean, there's so many different, you know, brands and companies and people up on there that you, you have to, to, do something up front on that, on that side of it. Does that also make sense? Yeah. It's almost like Kickstarter has become diluted to the point that you need to partner with Kickstarter, but then drive your own traffic to Kickstarter, which begs the question, if I have traffic to drive, why don't I drive it directly into myself and eliminate the middleman? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, the route I went. Um, I think there are obviously benefits because Kickstarter is kind of a brand name in itself and that can, you know, on a PR side can help be helpful for some people. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to drive the traffic um, directly to, to ourselves, which I mean, ultimately doesn't mean that we won't use, you know, Kickstarter or someone somewhere that on a, a social platform like that to test out new products and innovative products. But um, for us, it was best just to, Let's just, you know, maintain our brand and, uh, and, and the community. And the other side, I was quite, quite fortunate that, you know, that people believed in what we were doing and, and wanted to put money into us um, on, a, on a, an investment side. 
well, that's, yeah, that's pretty big. You know, like I would almost, and again, not to not Kickstarter, but maybe if you have to scrounge really hard on Kickstarter and you barely get funded after a really long campaign, it's like, mm, are people really interested? You know? True. But true. if you have people that will approach you directly and say, take my money, I believe in this, that's like, that's a pretty big vote of confidence that you had an idea that people are, are well behind. Yeah, we were, uh, we were, I mean, we were pretty confident that we did, did have something special and, and needed out there. Um, which now you're making me think back, uh, <laughs> to our, our first event that we launched at a uh, sea otter, uh, which I, I think I briefly, well, hold on <laughs> before we get there. There's yeah. before we, so this was, you were ready to launch Kickstarter happened when? So Kickstarter was December, I believe of 2014. Okay. Yeah, that's actually, that's, that's a great reminder there. Um, because as uh, I think many people know that businesses don't happen just overnight and you're going to run into more, more obstacles that you didn't imagine. So when we launched in 2000, well, the Kickstarter in 2014, we were expecting to manufacture in 2015 and launch the brand. Um, and as I said, we had the whole product side, right? But um, the whole, the manufacturing side is just a whole nother animal. And ultimately it ended up taking us another, we didn't, we weren't able to produce until 2016 um, I think part of that was one, I was pretty focused. I really wanted to produce in the U S um, and ultimately it's just for an early stage product, particularly one that's as technical as ours. There's only a few, there's not many manufacturers in the U S that can produce. Um, and then for you to get into those is uh, very difficult. And then if you do get in the cost for someone for like us, we ultimately would we have to charge for our shorts like over two hundred dollars, and um, that's just not the market we're going after. Um, so ultimately, after you know one, uh, I, I was very fortunate having the, the the alumni, the people I did on my team because given the relationships, we ultimately were able to leverage those particularly on the, the Pearl Zumi relationships and ended up in a high quality uh, manufacturing facilities uh, overseas. Which is uh, not to stray too far from that, but that's fine. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's totally fine. Um, that's and ultimately I look, the way I look at it is it's enabling me to hire people here locally on the, you know, on my, product team and design team and, and ultimately grow, you know, and, and employ more people here, ideally in the, in the U S. So it's, hopefully it's a, it's a win-win for all and create high quality products. Yep, exactly. And to maybe go back a little bit to your hard to get into those, um, you know, those other manufacturers here stateside, you know, it's kind of like I worked at a manufacturing company in a different industry for a while. And, you know, it's it's definitely hard to contribute some energy to the new company with a small order when the established uh, customer that you have is 
all but just pouring money straight into your bank account, you know? So it's understandable how it's, it's pretty hard to break into those because a lot of times those companies do have a really excellent reputation. And because of that, they have really excellent and loyal customers that are following them and won't stray their business. So they just, you know, keep pouring more and more on. So. Uh, yeah, definitely. And that, and that happens overseas too. It's, you know, it's hard to get into the high quality, um, manufacturers. And ultimately the other problem too, is the minimum requirements and, you know, the amount one on the, on the, on the fabric minimums, but then also on the production minimums, which, uh, as you can, you can, as we launched, we literally had for our styles, we launched with uh, about six styles and, you know, they were, they were all black. Um, we have one mountain bike, bike short that's blue. Um, this year we're, we've added in another color. Um, as we're, um, as we're going forward, we'll add in colors and patterns, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy being the little guy, but, uh, you just gotta be a little, little scrappier. Hmm, definitely. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, if you look at someone like Santa Cruz, they're a company that does do all their manufacturing overseas, but they own the factory. So, um, yes. you know, I understand that, well, it's the same. You're getting a, a quality product made to your specifications. And that's the way that Santa Cruz was able to do something they did like the, uh, 29er V10. They got that cranked out really quick because they literally own the factory and they were able to sabotage their other, I say sabotage, but you know, they could say, no, don't build these other bicycles we told you to build because they're for us build this one that I'm telling you to build right now. Um, you know, so uh, that'd be great. And then, uh, I don't know if this is skipping ahead, but a big reason that, that, you know, bringing in, and we're very fortunate to have Tom on board is given his incredibly deep experience on, particularly on this side, on the manufacturing side. And, uh, I think, if anyone knows the Osprey products knows how well of a, a great job they do. Yeah. It's pretty much the only hydration pack that Andrea will use. So that, that's probably pretty <laughs> that's good. Um, it's high praise. Yeah. Uh, it died last week. Unfortunately it, uh, top load washer and it got in a fight and the, the really <laughs> old prototype rev pack died. So that's life. Um, so it took you all of 15 to get your production and your product sorted out. So you finally launched in 2016 and the first event was sea otter. Yes. And, uh, how did that go? It, uh, well, ultimately it went extremely well and it was pretty amazing. And it's after all that time and you're just, you know, you, you believe you have something pretty special and, uh, and, and disruptive, but until someone <laughs> gives you their credit card or gives you money, you, you don't know. And we, we sold extremely, uh, extremely well, um, far beyond what we thought, but what was, uh, we had a little slight problem as we, on our initial day is, uh, and given my background, which is not a background <laughs> in apparel, we had our tent and we're selling shorts. And of by, course people want to try them on. But by tent, you mean like an easy up, like a, just yes. a, just a square, like standard 10 by 10 or 10 by 20, whatever tent. Exactly. Exactly. With a table and we have our, you know, our products on display and, uh, and for sale <laughs> and, uh, um, 
forgot that people might actually want to try them on first to make sure they, they fit and see how they feel. So uh, that, that first day uh, made it a little more, a little harder. So uh, at night we went and uh, headed over to Walmart and uh, tried to do my best MacGyvering and uh, ended up uh, purchasing a hula hoop and a, a black shower curtain. Um, thinking that we could, uh, put up in the corner and, and kind of create our own little changing room. There was no zip ties uh, involved, right? No zip ties. We kept that away, but, uh, (laughs) a little, uh, duct tape, of course, was always helpful. But, uh, ultimately we were, I was actually quite proud of myself and, uh, as we got it up and in the early morning and people were going in and then as the sun came up, uh, didn't realize, but. The uh, <laughs> curtain became translucent, so you could basically see right through as people were changing. And then I don't know if you do, uh, if you've been to, gone to Sea Otter and, and know the type of winds that you deal with. Um, basically, the the <laughs> the uh, curtain was kind of useless as the wind was just blowing it up, anyways. Um, but on the other side of this, it was. Uh, we basically, we probably had the largest crowds formed in front of our, our tent, uh, given the, uh, I think, you know, I like to think it was all because of the shorts, but uh, I think it might have been given the, uh, <laughs> the entertainment behind us in the, the changing rooms. That's a, well, I don't know. That's a pretty easy one. Like, that's not too bad. Worst things could have happened, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It, uh can't complain about bringing in more, more people. Uh, but you do, you do definitely learn lessons as you, uh, go along. So now, so now when we're doing our events, uh, at, at, you know, different mountain bike events and all, we'll, we have one of those, uh, those pop-up changing tents, which, uh, is a bit more secure and, and proper for people. Almost like it was purpose built, right? <laughs> so true. So true. Um, so what was next? I mean, you went to Sea Otter, you had, let's say great success cause you sold more than you expected. And, um, you know, did you, I know that you went to Betty bite bash that year, right? We did. We did. Yes, we did. We've, we, you know, after we did buddy back bite bash. We did, you know, Fruta fat tire fest. We did a, a lot of different, um, uh, events and, 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 and annoy festivals, Basically, we were trying, I mean, and, and still are, are, have been doing it for the past year, is doing a kind of a grassroots effort of, one, generating awareness of the brand, um, but, two, kind of validating that we do have something um, that people want, and then, three, is figuring out who does want it, which has been interesting. So, we've gone to a mix of mountain bike events, road bike events, triathlon events, running events, and to see, you know, where that, that the need is. And the, it's both a good and a, <laughs> and a difficult thing is that everyone, everyone loves them. Um, uh, and for different reasons, cause you, it's interesting as you have the road bikers, I uh, love it because it's truly the first time you have an alternative, a high performance alternative to wearing your, your racing kit. Um, whereas the mountain bikers love it because you still get that, you know, mountain biking, uh, baggy feel, but then you have that high performance 
alternative uh, as well, um, and you're not getting caught in the seat. Um, so it's uh, it's also interesting that we, we as I, I alluded to before, is that like with the mountain bikers, they're wearing our shorts, you know, not just for mountain biking, but then when they're done, they might just they might be going for a hike, they might go for a run, some might do yoga, um, others actually are, are you know just using them just to go out just um, casually. Um, so, which ultimately brings us to a, a position of it's great that people you know do love them for mountain biking and that they are using them for other activities, which is nice because as you know, most of the mountain biking shorts. Um, you really, it's just a mountain bike short where these you can literally use for multiple uses, but for an early stage brand, it also causes some problems of, you know, you can't try to be everything to everyone. Um, so, you know, um, that's ultimately brings me to where we, in a, in a way where we are today is that this grassroots, um, marketing uh, plan has been uh, tremendously successful, but also has been, Hey, we have something really, really special. Uh, mountain bikers love or uh, really all cyclists love them. Um, how do we bring this, you know, to the next level, particularly given, you know, I think as a founder, you got to kind of look at who you are and what your uh, experiences and skills are. And, you know, for me, I know um, to go to the next level, I need to bring in the right people and, and the right team and, that is, I was very fortunate to be put in uh, contact with Tom and our, our conversations just led to the ultimate uh, position where we are and to a partnership of where Tom's coming in to be the CEO and, and truly help bring this to a completely, you know, another, another level, um, which is very fortunate. Well, yeah, I mean, you've, I don't want to say you've made it because like you're probably still like wake up in the middle of the night oh, terrified sometimes, but like you're well on to definitely. making it right. We, you can see it, but I mean, for me, I'm still down in the weeds and, you know, pushing the day to day. Cause I, you know, I still, I know we we're, we're going there and that's exciting, but at the same time, yeah, you have that, you know, we, cause we've won, we, 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 we haven't, even begun to really focus on our, you know, on our website. Um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, content and letting people truly understand what we have, um, and, and ultimately scale the business that way. Um, but also at the same time, you know, I'm still wearing a, a bunch of different hats. So if you, uh, when you, when you order from us online, you might have a, a nice, you'll have a, a handwritten message from me. Um, as I am, I'm also the shipping department. <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, we're going in definitely in the right direction and, uh, it's, it's extremely exciting, but still we're, we're so early. So do you feel like when you say you wear a lot of different hats, do you pile them all on your head at once? Or do you say like, of course, over the course of the day, like, let's say, you know, I don't know, a couple of orders come in, right? But you know that that's not your, that's not your end goal for the day. You might say, okay, like, do you say, I'm going to ship everything first thing in the morning and then you finish out your day and then the following morning, 
every one of today, like, you know, yesterday's orders goes out first thing. And then you take off your shipping hat and you sit down and you start answering those like customer service type emails. And then you put on your PR hat and you answer like emails that go to PR. And then, or do you just kind of like all day, just like tornado style, like work on a little bit of everything all day? Yeah, no, I, I, I generally either at the end of the night or in the, in the very beginning of the morning, I'll take pen and paper and I also, I, I used to, I did this when I was started our software company too, because you, you just, so much comes up and you kind of, you need to focus. Um, otherwise you're going to, you're forgets things. So I kind of put out almost my, you know, daily to do activity, um, which of course there's always something, things, many things come up. Uh, so I just kind of go through that and, and, and take them off. So it could be, you know, we're wearing different hats. It could be just wearing one hat for the full day. Um, and I also don't want to make it seem that I'm doing everything because I obviously, I have a, I have a great kind of supporting team. Um, obviously Tom being one of them, but then, uh, we probably, we have, um, I guess four other people that are, are on the team that are, uh, tremendously, uh, valuable and helpful. Um, but ultimately it's, you know, as a, uh, early stage hat, a company, everyone, everyone needs to wear kind of different hats, um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I'm the guy taking out the trash. That's, you got to be, you got to be willing to kind of take on different roles. And I think it's, it's helpful that you embody the company as well. And I think the, the customers appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I've probably said this before in a different podcast, but one of my best bosses, he couldn't work on bikes to save his life. But if we were really busy, like he owned the business and he was the, you know, the owner and the, you know, acting manager and everything. And he would clean toilets and vacuum the floor. But like, it was one of those deals where like, that was a way of saying, like, I really respect that you're busy doing something that you're good at and this has to be done. And I'm not going to interrupt you to tell you to do something. I'm going to, you know, do the things that I can while you're doing the things that you can. And we're all going to succeed together. So. Yeah, no, I like, you actually made me think of, uh, something that, that's kind of dear to my heart is, is, uh, so a, a person who I probably have the most respect for and, and love is my, my father. And he also had his own uh, company, had an insurance company, uh, that he was, uh, that he led and ultimately, uh, sold. But when he, uh, he stayed on for a couple of years as he to, to lead it. And on, as he retired, they had a retirement party at, his office and they, uh, a bunch of women and, uh, and guys came in and uh, a bunch of them didn't know actually who he, who he was or one, one in, in particular. And then she's like, Oh, who's retiring? They're like, Oh, it's, you know, the CEO. And they're like, well, who's that? And she points to him and the lady was like, I guess she's like, she's like, what do you mean? She's like the, the bagel guy, he's retiring. So, uh, what, what happened was my father, he used to get bagels like every Friday morning or Thursday morning or whatever it was. Um, and you know, to bring everyone all together. And this one, this woman had no idea that he was actually the CEO of the company. She just thought he brought bagels every week. Um, which is cause ultimately, you, you know, you got to build a team. Um, and you don't need to be the one, Hey, look at me. It's all about doing what's best uh, ultimately for, for your customers. 
Yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, when instead of six people, it's 60, that might change a little bit. But, you know, when you're still really small, you you definitely have to do not necessarily everything, but you have to do whatever is it maybe a different way to put it is, you know, if you're not flexible and willing to step in and do something that needs to be done, then it's going to be really hard to ask your other people to step in and do whatever needs to be done because you haven't led by example. Yeah, exactly. And which is actually, and Tom is doing that exactly what you're saying today and tomorrow. So we're exhibiting at um, the Copper Triangle. And so we'll have our, you know, our 10 by 10 tent, as I, I explained before. And we're setting that up later this afternoon to sell shorts one at a time. And here's a guy, uh, you know, Tom Barney, who was the CEO of Osprey for the last 15 years. And he was the CEO of Royal Robbins for 10 years prior to that. And you'll see him out there today and t- tomorrow in that tent, you know, interacting with everyone selling, you know, showing how our shorts work and selling one at a time. Um, to me, that's, that's amazing leadership um, and dedication and, and love for the brand. Yeah. And I think that's something that's, um, you know, it's important also because then Tom will be right there talking with people and there's, you know, um, not to say that people might treat him differently if they knew he was the CEO, but if someone thinks you're just a grunt at an event, they'll definitely talk to you openly and honestly, you know, they won't, uh, you know, someone may touch it and be like, eh, eh, you know, and like you get that feedback, whether it's sure. good, bad or otherwise, and you get it a hundred percent off the cuff because it's not like, you know, say you brought in, I, I don't know, just to make it up, you're not getting yes men, you know, you're not getting people that are just like, Oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. You know, you're getting people's true opinion right there in the field. Yeah, it's it's such valuable um, feedback, and I guess Tom could probably speak better to it. But seeing the reaction of people of how they do it, um, of how they react to the the product, um, obviously gives us makes us happy. But to your point too, they also they they come up with a great feedback um, that and data points that you need for to continue that product and you know on the product development. Um, in all kind of different areas. And, and one that comes to mind to me is we launched last year with our women's um, shorts, which actually another point on that is that I actually wasn't going to launch with women's because we were thinking it was just guys that wanted shorts that, that do this. But fortunately we did because with our women's shorts, we, we literally sold out in our first production run within a month and a half. Um, but one thing I did, and we did not include, um, so we have pockets, front pockets that are zippered on the men's shorts. And we didn't do that for the women's because uh, a couple of the women on my team um, and I'll, um, said, you know, really women like to have clean lines and don't want pockets in front. And so we went with that and ultimately the feedback we were getting at these events was that women were like, Hey, what's, why don't we have these pockets? You know, we, we want to carry our phone. We want to carry food. We want to put, you know, have our, our license, our keys right on us, you know? And so that feedback was, we immediately put, so now we have obviously pockets on them and, and the, the women and, and men just 
Love them. Are they those little novelty size pockets that women get on jeans, or are they real pockets? <laughs> yeah, we gave, we gave them real pockets. That's what we gave them kind of that novelty or mock pockets before, where you literally could just you know stretch in a a, a credit card uh, on their waist. But whereas now they have the true uh, pockets that you can you can put your phone and food and everything in there. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The so you had like the pockets and run shorts where like you could put like a hotel key card in them and that's it. Exactly. Oh yeah, that's yeah that doesn't that doesn't cut it. That's just mocking. Exactly. It's like oh, we thought about doing something that didn't do anything for you. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's where I mean. Ultimately, you just gotta you gotta keep learning and listening and, and react. I mean, I'm, I'm I know we're doing stuff wrong now that we can improve. You know, and gotta keep keep doing that. So you're you're going to Copper Triangle. Like, what's the, you know, and I don't know if you guys have a a dated timeline, but like, what's the plan? Like, you're you're going to an event, and you've been going to events. Like, is this going to be your, let's say, like boots on the ground approach? Is that going to be the foreseeable future, or do you see starting to branch out and maybe like get a little different, um, you know, market? Like, is this your way to do it is what I'm getting at? Like going and letting people see, touch and feel because like seeing is believing. Um, like what's the, what's the plan with this? Yes. So for the events, we'll continue to do the events. They, I mean, we get a pretty amazing reception and, um, and we drive a lot of sales, which is obviously important for us uh, as we continue our growth. But uh, and importantly, is is just letting people know that Eleven Pine exists, and that we the, the high quality products um, that we have, and there's something different out there versus you know the same old same. Um, so it's, it, it is building that brand awareness, and then and the other side is obviously generating sales. But as we go forward, um, that can't be our main revenue driver. That's not a scalable business. Um, you know, it might kill me if I'm, my wife would obviously definitely kill me um, if we're doing this every weekend. Um, so um, for us to scale the business is going to be um, online and driving e-commerce. So right now we are, we're, we're closing on a, on a, on a financing um, a small financing and, and we'll um, do a more substantial financing later in the year um, to truly drive that. And it, it's interesting because our opportunity, it's not just, you know, Colorado based or um, it's not a mountains based. It's, it's definitely a, a national um, interest where we're driving a lot of sales throughout the nation, but we're also already without doing anything, getting a lot of interest overseas um, so there's a big opportunity because I, I truly believe we're doing something that is, I think, disruptive and, uh, and transformative, um, depending on which, you know, sector you're looking at, uh, in cycling. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, well, I'd love to do, continue to do the events and everything. Um, you know, ultimately it can't be just Tom and I going out to those events. We'll, we'll build a team. And ultimately the growth is, is going to be particularly given the age that we live in now is going to be online. Um, and we have, 
we make it really easy for our people. We have, I think we have great pricing. We have free shipping. We have free returns and exchanges. Um, and so, uh, it's, uh, I think it's quite scalable business model and, and, and enable us to let people, you know, try drive that awareness, um, you know, instead of doing it one by one at events, kind of doing it in complement to that online. Yeah. It gets, uh, yeah, we discussed this a little bit before we got going, but like you can only squeeze so much out of that rock. You know, if like you have, if you're trying to squeeze blood out of a rock, at some point it's going to, going to give up. And you know, if you guys are doing this with a family and you're trying to do it on the weekends, you know, that's a pretty limited reach of how far you can drive and who you can see. And at some point it's going to be you seeing the same people. Like you're just going to be running into people that instead of buying shorts, they're high fiving you wearing your shorts, which is awesome, but it's not more revenue. Yeah, it's great. No, that's a great feel. That's a great analogy. <laughs> so, yeah, at some point you have to keep broadening your circle. So, when you say overseas, is it a, a European market or like an Asian market or what? Yeah, I get it. I get a lot of emails um, from from the UK, from the Netherlands, uh, Canada, uh, Australia, and New Zealand. Which, if you step back, I mean, it makes sense. You know, the, kind of a lot of the major um, cycling areas. Yeah, so it's it's the it's other places that enjoy cycling, but maybe enjoy cycling even better as a country than we do. Maybe a good way to put it. True, true, true. Yeah, they, 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 I don't know. That's a whole other. That's a whole other show topic. You can go on. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, you can. Yeah, definitely. You could run away in a thousand directions there. So, what's the like you said? So looking to the future, you're talking about patterns. You're talking about maybe different products. Like what can we expect? Are we going to see um, an evolution where things just aren't black and blue? Or are we going to have an evolution to where things are, um, not to say that you'd be knocking another company off, but are we going to see a more shredly approach where things are not just colors, but like patterns, colors, like you want them not just because they're a good product, but because they're like wild, like What's the, where is this going to, what's the future of that look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously part of this, the reason for bringing Tom on the team is, is to help continue our innovation. I think the, you know, obviously colors and, and patterns are in a sense of no, no brainer. Um, and to me that ultimately that's not differentiating us, uh, in the market, I think, Ultimately, we need to continue to to innovate um, and you know just keep pushing pushing that that needle. Um, so it's it, in a sense it needs to be kind of a combination of of you know giving giving a nice color schemes and pattern schemes, but uh, also coming out with you know pushing the envelope of doing things to to improve the product and, and to truly innovate and enable people to, I mean, ultimately we just wanted people to get outside and, you know, get on their bikes and just enjoy life. So the more we can do to enable that, the better. So you said you're going to do some, some financing, like, is this going to be an overhaul of the website? Will it be through advertising or promotion? Like what's the, what's the next step you think to drive things towards future growth? Um, and not to give away all the, you know, I don't know what you call like 
give away all the secrets, but like, how do you see an improved market share here? Will you be targeting specific groups? Like maybe people that are into certain types of riding, like you've had good success with these road events. So do you see yourself going to more gravel events in the future to open yourself up to a different segment of the market? Or is it going to be increasing like foreign distribution channels so you can sell to those other countries that have been showing interest? Like how does Tom and his previous um, like experiences in leading a, a really great company um, look forward and get things going? I mean, will we see Osprey type um, guarantees where like if there's an issue with the product, just return it and we'll fix it? Or is it going to be, you know, the people and the, the manufacturing techniques that he knows from those previous jobs? Like what's the how does Tom fit into this and how does Tom going to like get you to continue your growth? So I, I, I don't know if you want me to answer uh, for me that that's, there's so many kind of levers of, of growth kind of, you know, where you, where you started on the, on the, uh, you know, the website, the website, we have a, we have a nice website on there, but, um, one, I know we can do better on the, on the content side, um, and show our products, whether, you know, visually through photography and, uh, and video, because we do have, given we have something so different, it, it's helpful for people to visually see it versus, you know, you can write whatever you want to write. Um, so we, we need to improve that and make use of photography and, and videography because quite honestly, we have, we have old kind of photos on there and there's, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's great for what we have today, but, um, as we drive people, we want people to immediately understand why what we have is, is special. Um, which goes the other side of, you know, coming up with, with different campaigns to generate that awareness. And that's, you know, obviously one going to the events, but then two doing different, um, online, whether it's, you know, there's, there's obviously paid advertising, there's SEO, there's um, uh, social media side and truly coming up with, um, you know, kind of our voice and, and building a community to generate that. Um, and then um, complimentative on, on, on the product because the product's got to continue to um, evolve and, and innovate and to your points on, you know, what Osprey does with, with their products and how they've done a, a tremendous high quality and innovative products. And they keep doing that is exactly, uh, you know, kind of, I think the vision and, uh, and where we're, we're going with our, our products as well. Um, yeah, when I look at a company like Osprey, it makes me think about Patagonia, which are two companies that I, both respect where it's like they've always had like a really good customer service side of things like hey it's a product and you used it and it broke but neither of us is happy like is that something that you guys like what would be you know say i blow out a zipper in a short is that something like pick up the phone and it's going to be solved or yeah i mean hopefully the zippers (laughs) that doesn't happen um but when uh customers do you have problems if there is some, you know, obviously you have humans in, in, involved in the manufacturing process. So there, there could be some stitch work 
that randomly happens, but uh, we're pretty fortunate with the quality of manufacturer we have that doesn't happen often. But um, yeah, we we're very very responsive on on taking back and uh, whether uh, just sending out a, a new um, uh, short if needed to replace whether because there's some type of problem or they need a different size. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I mean, customer service is hugely important for us. And, and the other thing is that we also, um, which is kind of, I don't know whether it's tangential, but we, we, we don't want to, I mean, we want to build special products that give great value to people, but we also want to be giving back to the community uh, as well. Um, and for instance, on that right now, we're, we're aligned with a, um, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Paul Newman's um, camp for kids with cancer and other blood related diseases um, called the hole in the wall gang camp. And they are, uh, it's an organization which I used to volunteer for a week as a, a volunteer counselor. Um, and there's, they started up a sister um, one up here called the, in Colorado called the Roundup River Ranch Camp for kids with all types of illnesses um, and, and diseases. And it's just an amazing place. And so we've, we've, uh, I mean, a big part of us is we want to help generate awareness for them. We've, you know, um, had um, some of our revenue go towards them. And that's just something we want to align our, our, our brand with of, you know, giving back and, and helping others. I mean, we only do a fraction obviously of what they do and and as a tremendous organization. And that's, that's going to continue to be a a focus um, for what we do and and expand that Um, as well as, you know, being uh, driving and and having more sustainable (laughs) practices, which is difficult at a, uh, at our early stage, but is something that we're going to be and, and it's, having Tom here is going to be helpful driving that end more into our, our, you know, manufacturing processes and our, and our product. Well, cool. Well, Tom, let's get your input here on like, as we move forward, like what's the, I'm just really curious, like how, and again, not to get the secrets, Mm -hmm. but I just want to hear your side of that. Like, so, and, uh, this isn't to, to knock the brand, but advocate cycles says, um, you know, profits go to charity and they do a ton of work and they do a ton of giving back and stuff. But is that something that we'll see with 11 pine or will it be something a little more straightforward? It's like, Hey, uh, you know, $2 and 75 cents from every short you buy is going to go to, you know, charity. Like what's the, how are you guys going to not only implement that, but, you know, I don't want to say advertise it, but be transparent about it. Maybe that's a different way to put it. So just really curious to hear, because again, I've, I've liked the product that you've uh, led in the past and I would like to see, I'm just really curious how that's going to go in the future. That's a great question, Matt. Thanks. It's been uh, fun to hear a conversation with Jeff. I learned a lot from both of you and it's funny to have your name come up so often. I haven't said much, but I'll, uh, I'll try to, dive in here and add a little bit at the end. But, but first I have to ask you what, what happened with your, uh, with your Osprey Rev and the, uh, the washing machine. That sounds like quite a battle. Um, well it was Andrea's and from what I understand it was a top load washer with the agitator 
and uh, there was an Osprey Rev prototype pack, um, which mm. kind of speaks to its age, um, that had led a rugged and um, well-used life, and a windbreaker mm. and some some straps that were made from elastic, and the agitator and everything had this um, glorious battle, and the Rev pack um, gave up the ghost. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, there is uh, there is the famous Osprey Almighty Guarantee, and uh, and the 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 subpoints to that are any product, any era, any owner, any reason. But I have to say, I haven't heard of uh, battles with uh, with washing machines that are lost too often. That it's usually a chipmunk eating through a top mm-hmm. pocket, or somebody you know, you know has a has a fantastic crash and you know rips a buckle off or tears up some packs, uh, tears up some fabric. Not usually the washing machine getting the best I, of the pack. You so talk about crashing. I have a wind jacket that I added ventilation to in a very painful way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a few of those packs as well, too, from a few spectacular crashes. Yeah, thanks. Well, it's nice of you to say such nice things about Osprey Packs. It's a uh, wonderful company and uh, has been very successful on, on every measure, I would say, in terms of introducing uh, new product and innovation and uh, taking care of its team members and the broader community and being benevolent in the uh, in its uh, in its work and supportive of the outdoor industry and public lands and cycling and so forth and I, I hope we can draw on a number of lessons from Osprey with things that have worked and worked effectively and been good for the company but mostly good for uh, for our partners all around the company and uh, I, I expect we'll apply a number of those to 11 pine as it grows we're, we're like your family checkbook you know we're uh, we're a small company where we have revenue we have expenses so right now our impact is a little smaller it's mostly through energy and some giving and and great partnerships uh, well one of the one of the uh, programs that I liked in particular that we pioneered at Osprey was a was a donation or charity program uh, that was part of the um, part of the pro deal effort so we uh, we had a uh, we had charities, I think it was five in total, and we'll probably have cycling charities in the case of Eleven Pine, apply for uh, a pro deal status, meaning that they get a percentage of the pro deal sale. So as we start selling to the broader community of outdoor professionals and cycling professionals and guides and uh, and staff of of, uh, of cycling stores and so forth, they get a chance optionally to contribute one or two or three or four or five dollars to a charity, and they actually vote on the charity based on a profile of the charity. So it's a great way to publish the the charity's efforts and give them a chance to sort of you know in a in a light way compete for donations. The better the work they do, the better they write about their work. The more the pro deal group uh, gets to vote, and uh, and we'll give and we will direct uh, thousands of dollars. Uh, uh, to one of several charities that way. So that was a that was a fun little program that we did at Osprey. It's carried on and gotten larger and larger every year. And I expect I'll probably borrow that one from from my former company and apply it. But I also expect uh, uh, Levin Pine to. Um, uh, to be selective in uh, in a number of uh, of charitable causes and uh, give to organizations both time energy and uh, and and money and uh, I think Jeff and I have a have a rare opportunity to recognize this as an important part of growing eleven pine and set uh, sort of a philanthropic direction uh, for the uh, for the, for our company first so that we 're giving it where where we feel it makes sense and uh, and where it has great impact uh, Jeff has some 
uh, medical ties and healthcare ties, and I have environmental and conservation ties, and we both are passionate about our interest in cycling and supporting the cycling community. So be among those three, I expect you'll see our company ramp up and do quite a bit of giving. And uh, I mean, it could even boil down to uh, to branded shorts where we have a, a dedicated color and a dedicated production run and a dedicated embroidered message or embroidery. And when we sell that product, it advances the awareness of a charity uh, that we want to support and their cause and mission and also a significant portion of the sales. I, I, I personally like to go deep on these things and give away the majority of the margin. I think uh, 11 Pine should cover its costs but I don't see it as a profit-making venture. The profit is in uh, is in is in profiting the uh, the charity. So you'll see some clever programs like that as we uh, grow our business, and hopefully everybody gains and we become a, a successful company. Uh, yeah, that's well. really that's really cool to hear. You know, um, and it, not to knock on either one of these companies, and I keep saying that just because I don't want to make it sound like I'm throwing a different company under the bus. But Niner does those Emba branded bikes, which is great, but I can't yeah. afford a new bike. Mm-hmm. You know, but and <laughs> but if there was a you know an eighty dollars short in a fun color that benefited a a worthy charity, you know that's a and not just me personally, but I feel like that's almost more of a whim purchase, which would then have a, a pretty large impact because I say whim like you guys would mean a lot by it, and the the end customer would you know have a, a short that was a quality product, and then they would also give to a charity at the same time. But you know it's a a lot more impulse purchase power you know like when it's under a hundred or a hundred bucks whatever you know so that's really cool to hear um so good i'm glad you like it yeah the important thing is to come up with these ideas and stick with them and and execute well and also not to get too greedy i I, my experiences with companies that they don't go deep enough and uh you know an example might be patagonia which does go deep i mean they're real they're authentic they really give they give a percent of of, uh, of total revenue to 1% for the planet. And that's at a high level. They're a seven or $800 million company. I really admire that when people make, make a real difference. Uh, it's not just, uh, just talk. And in our case, rather than it being an $80 short, we'll come down to our, what we call our landed costs. Landed costs for a manufacturer is factory cost plus all the other costs that allow it to get into its, uh, into its uh, distribution center. So typically freight, insurance, brokerage, duty, and so forth. And it's a challenge to find that cost, but eventually you, you nail that down. You know what it costs for an uprising short size medium blue to actually land in our warehouse. Well, that, that, is, uh, you know, that's, that should be covered. I don't think we should lose money in the process. But you cut an $80 short down to uh, $30, $40, $50. Dollars. Now it's affordable, and, uh, and now uh, we're getting the word out there a lot. So you'll see 11 pine stretch to make sure we That's make a difference. That's really cool. So we've talked a lot about shorts. Does 11 pine have a future in other garments? Well, are you going to help us write our, uh, our product line list for the next couple of years? Cause we can I'm, use some help on that. I have. So, uh, depending on how much of a fan of mountain bike radio you are, I am one of the pickiest people on the planet. Um, when it comes to clothing. Uh, so I think I could, I don't know if I could write a product line, but I could point to a lot of shortcomings in other people's products and, and identify what <laughs> in my very narrow market, I believe to be, um, a whole, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh, affordable clothing. That's what I would call NASCAR or bro. And yeah. then there's some really, really <laughs> nice clothing that I think is styled well, but is, uh, you know, like Prada or Gucci pricing. 
and there's not a lot of availability in that middle ground. Um, so, mm-hmm. well, there's certainly uh, opportunity for Eleven Pine there, and there are some brands that I admire and, and uh, I think will um, will emulate to some degree. But we're our own company, and uh, Jeff pioneered a really interesting concept. And around that concept, I expect we're going to build a um, a uh, meaningful business and a, and a responsible business as well. Uh, it it's, it is largely going to be focused on apparel, so let's just uh, agree to that. You know, you have to know your your uh, your uh, uh, the guidance on that you know the the, the guardrails that you want to want to follow and I think that uh, that that apparel and 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 related accessories caps and the like um, are a really good area of opportunity and we can make a difference in in that world and plus our our uh, just concept applies well to apparel. And so um, uh, you'll see us stay in the apparel world. Right now, uh, I, I like to think of us as um, uh, similar to a brand uh, called Cool. Do you know Cool, K-U-H-L? Uh, they're that? more of like an outdoor. They're like kind of a Patagonia competitor, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they, they started with uh, <clears throat> with another name. I think they had a trademark problem, and they rebranded themselves Cool. But back in those days, they started as a what we call in the industry a bottoms company. I know that sounds kind of weird, but bottoms mean in, in, in the apparel industry means you know, truly uh, – you know, the bottom portion of, of the human figure as compared to tops, you know, shorts, um, capris, leggings, um, long shorts, and then full length uh, pants of, of different sorts. And they started as a shorts company and, uh, and Jeff has started us as a shorts company. And I, I agree with that strategy. Uh, I think we have a lot of room to stake out the, the 11 pine concept uh, in the world of shorts. And, and a lot of it is within the various disciplines of cycling. Uh, our concept goes beyond cycling. And so I think, uh, when we get, when we get the mountain bike and road biking world and let's just go to other areas such as try and spin and, um, commute and urban. I mean, once you, once you start becoming a specialist in these areas and you really think about, you know, what a spin cyclist, an indoor recreational, you know, fitness oriented cyclist is looking for. Granted, they grab their cycling shorts probably, uh, or, or their workout shorts, but, you know, take, take Starbucks as an example, you know, 35 years ago, they took the concept of coffee you know, a dime coffee cup at the diner and, and really glorified it and drilled down and specialized and did so many, you know, unique things with coffee. Now you may or may not like Starbucks and what they've done, but they certainly have blown up the coffee market, haven't they, by becoming an absolute specialist. And we can become an absolute specialist in shorts and especially in cycling shorts and really addressing the needs of a, of a, of a, the mountain cycle, mountain bike cyclists uh, and the, and the the um, road cyclist and and really understanding the various um, ways consumers are are introducing cycling into their life, and so I think we'll stake out our eleven pine concept with our style fit and design and our eleven pine concept compression to relaxation well in cycling shorts and uh, before we uh, we go wider and deeper deeper meaning that there is a room for I think leggings and capris and full length pants ultimately tops yes. Uh, but I think we'll we'll really be well known as a bottom supplier to begin with, and then uh, then the then the real creative challenge is where does the eleven pine concept go beyond cycling? And I don't want to forecast too much because our focus really is in the bike world. But we see a lot of application of our concept in yoga and trail sports 
and um, uh, the specialty run market, and frankly, uh, also in the training and fitness world of uh, workouts and gym training and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, and other other you know uh, popular areas where people are working out indoors or indoor outdoors, uh, you know, in the in the fitness world too. But, uh, you know, it's exciting to have a vision for our product and know that there's many markets and many sports and activities that we can address. I'd even put travel in that group. You know, the travel industry is massive and people do buy specialized clothing to travel that's functional and goes from performance on the trail or when you're out there traveling to lifestyle when you're in town and you're out to dinner or shopping. And uh, so we have a lot of room, but I think uh, uh, you'll see Osprey, I'm sorry, 11 Pine over the next couple of years. By the way, that mistake, Osprey mistake, is 15 years of saying Osprey 5 billion It's like calling your kid by the wrong name. It's totally Um, a pass. That's right. It's better than calling your girlfriend by the wrong name. (laughs) I will say that. But um, uh, you'll, you'll see us stake out, uh, you know, the cycling world first. And that's the real fun and that's the real creative challenge of working with our design team, our product team, and uh, and wowing your customer and the mountain bike customer and the road cycling customer with really interesting product where they say, whoa, you know, that is cool. That is different. That really applies. That's practical in my life. It has a great sense of style. And, uh, and, uh, and I don't know why it hasn't happened before. And that, that's the, the beauty of a startup is that Jeff and I and the product team get to dream, dream, dream about product. And if we're clever enough and, and creative enough, you know, we'll, we'll be successful because I like our concept. That's, yeah. That's so it sounds challenge. like you're going to focus on your core of cycling. And I don't want to say be reactionary, but get that so dialed in and get it so right that those customers are all but beating down the door saying, I want pants to do x y and z in or you know uh you guys have the softest zippers if i had zip off you know short pant conversion i could mm-hmm. go travel in these and i wouldn't have yeah. to take you know two pairs of pants with me I, shorts and pants i could just take your product because you know uh i love wearing them on the plane but it's just it's fall and i need i, I got to cover the bottom half of my bottoms now yeah <laughs> that's right well i love your imagery there i'm going to steal that from you if you don't mind of consumers literally beating down the door of our website or of our store saying please please give us pants you know but uh yeah we'll stake out uh shorts well, first cool. and well, foremost. what else is on the horizon anything anything to share i guess well, that's a, a you know, better question to ask <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, leading a leading an organization is uh, is a multifaceted task, isn't it? And uh, and everybody in the team counts and plays a vital role. So uh, we we've been talking a lot about about philanthropy and a lot about product development and expanding uh, our our categories and expanding our sports and activities. But behind the scenes, there's much more that goes on. And and uh, Eleven Pine will and needs to shore up its you know structure. So we need a stronger organization inside, a bigger team. We need uh, kind of operational support where we receive and store and ship product and uh, run our point of sale. We need a financial plan uh, that's greater than we are right now. Jeff alluded to uh, to some capital raises that we uh, that we'll be involved in, and of course behind the scenes, somebody is you know somebody's leading the the show to make sure that we can deliver that product and we can make those donations and we can market our brand because we have a strong financial uh, backing. That means dealing with investors and and the uh, investment community, an institutional style investment raise where we still have control over the direction of our company, but we do get the necessary capital to achieve our goals. 
And then probably the, the biggest area of investment beyond product that we'll put into is marketing the 11 Pine name, reputation, image, concept, and, and, and our specific products. Uh, you know, as a direct-to-consumer business, as compared to a wholesaler who works through specialty retailers, we have uh, the need to, to market ourselves in a responsible way. That means creating awareness and imagery, finding influencers, athletes, and friends to support the brand, and ultimately driving people through their interest in Eleven Pine and our product line to our events and to our one retail store here in Boulder and, of course, to our e- e-commerce site. The world of digital marketing is rapidly changing. There's many tools that we didn't have before. There's ways to measure it now through the metrics that, you know, people are aware of, you know, in the, in the world of social media and sales conversion on websites. So you'll see, um, you'll see a lot of noise being out, uh, being made out there. And in fact, we're in the process of selecting a strong digital marketing partner. Uh, that uh, that will help us. That'll be outsourced at least for a while, and uh, while we staff up. And so I think you'll you'll hear a lot more about Eleven Pine, and hopefully it's responsible and good marketing. And uh, people will be curious, want to know more about our brand, about our product, and about the good work that we're doing. And that will result in sales. And the whole thing will, in a responsible way, grow and grow. And that's what we did at Osprey, and I intend to do it in a in a in a great way with uh, with my business partner Jeff and all the partners, team members. As we call them at, at 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 Eleven Pine, and hopefully have another exemplary company that we can look that's at. Really, and be very proud. That's really good to hear. Um, I mean, it's it's obvious that you know from hearing Jeff and the, the first majority of the episode, he knows like what he's you know he, he's very passionate about the stuff, and he's really worked hard to get to this point. And then here you are, you're coming in with um, like he has a vision, and you have a what's the right way to describe it um not a plan but like you understand how to build that vision to where it needs to go um and it's it's really cool honestly like this is a a big gripe of mine um in the cycling world is when a company is doing so well that they start to do poorly so it sounds like you guys want to staff up and then grow whereas i feel like a lot of cycling companies are growing so fast but they're not staffing as they grow. So there's, uh, you know, right now I'm at 28 hours with no return call from a company um, that I want to give money to, you know, and that's just really tough for me to swallow. And it sounds like you Mm -hmm. guys are trying to take the opposite approach. Mm -hmm. So if someone calls and needs something, you're, you have people in place there to answer those needs. Um, And if, you know, the worst thing that can happen i mean maybe not the worst but you know is it sounds like you want to staff up so you can receive product and all that that goes along with that but you know the the worst thing that would happen for a company would be to spend the money and get that product delivered but then you don't have the staff to get it received and inventoried and ready to ship so you literally you spent the money but you can't make money yet because you don't have it on the web and available for sale you know and it's like a it's, it's catch 22 i understand because yep. like we got to make money so you can spend money to hire these people but at the same time you have to have people to mm-hmm. take people's money yeah well you're on you're on to a good point uh, matt that takes some maturity to in the industry to sort of see that you know there's many different aspects of of any industry but in the cycling market there's kind of bro level there's cool level there's racing level um you know J- jeff is a, is my partner is a is a is a is creative and energetic and has vision and ideas. And he's also a strong business guy too. Me, uh, I have long worked in the outdoor industry. 
Uh, now I'm applying that to the cycling market, although Osprey obviously crossed over into, into cycling very deeply, where I'm a kind of a professional business leader. I, I went to a great undergrad school, a really good business school. I've worked for two investment banks. I have a long history with General Foods, General Mills, and Gallo, which were large product management companies. And then since then, I've had four outdoor industry experiences, two of them as CEOs. And so, you know, somebody is there treating the business professionally and responsibly and, you know, making decisions and planning and working hard so that all the good stuff can happen. New products can come out. Athletes can be involved. Consumers can enjoy our product. We can be at events. But I, I like, you know, being in this cool, fantastic industry that we're in, but also being a professional manager of, of the business, too. So you kind of get both. You get a good behind-the-scenes you know, well-working company that is also you know, making a difference in a great industry and having fun and beers at the end of the day. And that's uh, that's kind of uh, where I'm at is that I like I like professional business, but I like being a, being an operator in a, in a really excellent uh, uh, business with growth opportunity and young people with good energy. So I'm bringing those together and uh, hopefully uh, 11 Pine will be our nece- that's next really successor. Awesome. Uh, I mean, is there anything you guys want to add to this or... Uh- well, you've given us a great, uh, great uh, outlet for our, our message, and we're grateful for that. And we'll be big su- fans and supporters of, uh, of Mountain Bike Radio. I think we've gotten our message out well. I just would ask people to come look us up at, uh, at the next event they go to where we're, uh, where we're att- in attendance, especially if you're in the, the Rocky Mountain West. And uh, check out our website, of course, and sign up for our, our uh, social media information and, uh, and maybe even uh, buy a product or two and see, uh, see how you like them and give us feedback. So we're grateful for that and uh, hope that hopefully it's a two-way street and people will support us. Yeah, cool. So just so people know, it is 11pine.com, the word 11 spelled out. And uh, you tell them you heard about it here, and you'll get free shipping. Because <laughs> the, the joke is, you're always free shipping. <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah. Hey, hey, Matt. This is this is Jeff. I just want to thank you very much uh, for your time and and you know taking time to talk to us, um, but also just for what you and your team do. Yeah. Well, it's thank you. Um, you know, it's definitely a two way street. Like, you know, we're hearing about your product, but you're also creating content for us. So it's a uh, it's a good use of everyone's time today and. Uh, yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's cool to see people coming into, uh, the cycling world and like you guys are talking about wanting to give back and wanting to be involved in the communities because it's a very, it, it takes a lot of, uh, being in tune with the market to understand that you, you can't just be a flash in the pan. You want to grow slowly. It sounds like, and you know, sustainably. And you also understand that if you don't give back to that community, that community will dwindle and fizzle. And then you literally will not have customers for your product. So it's, uh, it's really cool to hear that you guys have a, a good solid plan to move forward with. So we are, awesome. we are excited and we look, look forward to going for oh, some yeah, rides with definitely. you too. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, let's get out yeah. on the, on cool. the saddle. Thanks, guys. Too. And okay. thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, man. Bye now.